Welcome back to the Know Me Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Know Me Podcast. I'm Cynthia, and with me as always is my daughter, Madeline. You know, I've been doing some deep reflections lately, especially around the labels we often attach to ourselves. It's a really curious dance between seeking validation and boxing ourselves in. As a therapist, I've seen how labels can be a source of comfort for many, giving them a sense of understanding and belonging. But on the flip side, they can sometimes become restrictive, like being put in a cage. So true. As a coach, I often encourage my clients to move beyond their self-imposed labels and discover their limitless potential. It's really all about balancing that need for identity with the freedom to evolve and grow. Exactly. And today, listeners, we've got a real treat for you. We're diving deep into this topic, and we've even brought in a special guest, Kate Stakem, who brings a unique perspective to the table. So whether you're questioning your own labels or just curious about this intricate dance of identity, today's episode promises to be both enlightening and empowering. Let's dive in. So first off, hi, Kate. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here with the Nomi community. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Exactly. So I have some exciting news that I want to celebrate. This past week, I sat one of my coaching exams, and I finally got to put that CPCC after my name. And it felt so freaking good after a year of learning and hours. And I felt weird about celebrating it publicly. And there was one piece of me that was really authentically celebrating for the hard work and the commitment and this pivot in my life toward helping people. And the other half of me was like, oh, I hate the alphabet game because it feels like this larger narrative Mm -hmm. of making those letters mean something more than who I am as a person. And I know, Kate, you just went through this process because you just came out with a new name for yourself. So I don't know if this, if you can relate to this at all. Absolutely. Yes. For myself, I was a born evidential medium, but never quite understood what that means, right? Again, all of this labeling, but really it was connecting to something greater than just me. And I, felt, where do I go from here? If I feel like I have this, if I have this ability to help people, if I have this ability to to connect to something greater than what in this world, what do I do with that? And so for me, social work was the first thing that came up, but it never felt completed. I got the LICSW, I worked hard towards it. And then it was still, this isn't quite fitting. And that's a big part of my story is recognizing along the way that the experience is more than just the label. What comes to mind for me as my journey is that I was led to believe that the labels were always helpful Mm. or they always served me. You know, it was like, okay, I'm going to put that I have a master's degree and this LMHC by my name and I'm going to call my company Cynthia Garrett Counseling. And then I was listening to the outside norms about what an LMHC, and of course, we were, were I was trained that way, what we could or could not do and what was right and wrong, the binaries. And more and more, similar to Kate's experience, I was like, that's just not all of me. Why am I limiting myself? Why am I limiting myself to such a little part? So then I thought, slow on the uptake, I thought, oh, well, I'll just keep adding more things to the name of my company. (laughs) So I'll add another label. I'll be Cynthia Garrett Counseling and Coaching. And then maybe I'll add another label, Cynthia Garrett Counseling, Coaching, 
good friend. There's probably not enough labels and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was about being flexible mm -hmm. and being open to the possibility that it's not a one and done. It doesn't have to be rigid. It can be ever growing, ever blossoming to serve the purpose mm -hmm. of forming points of connection. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not defining me as a total human. Yeah. And I don't know about either of you, but a big part of why the letters feel so good. I finally evidence to the universe that I have it all figured out. This is my little piece of paper evidence that I have finally figured out this game of life and I have one more box of answers, right? And it all reaches toward this end game of answering things rather than being open and asking questions. And it's a huge loss of curiosity. And I find that this ever growing conversation and push to label ourselves, to label our worlds, to label the people we bump into drains our curiosity right out of us because we're trying to figure them out and figure it out and figure us out. And, and it's not malicious. We come to this realization in a quite honest way, but I find it really detaches us from our sense of curiosity. I love that. And I wonder how much just our English language, I don't know why that's coming up for me, but how much does that get in the way? Because as you're talking, Madeline, it came up for me of when you're at a party or when you're at a gathering and people are asking you, what do you do? That's the first mm. thing. It's not, who are you? Tell me more about yourself, but it's, what do you do? And mm. to have to feel like you need to again, create this explanation for what you do in two words, two or three words, that's almost impossible. Right. And it's not just what we do, it's who we are. How do you live your life? So I, I just wonder how much maybe language might get in the way of really encapsulating who we are, who we are at yeah. our soul level, really. Yeah. Oh, I think it really does. Yeah. Oh, tremendously. It gets mm -hmm. in the way. And Brene Brown writes about it beautifully in her Atlas of the Heart. It really is about us understanding that our language has different meanings. Right. And it's not until we allow ourselves to be curious, to speak to Madeline's point, move away from the judgments and stay in curiosity that we can find that out. What does it mean for my letters other than licensed mental health counselor? What does it mean to me? What does it mean to you, person who's asking? A lot of ways that we fall down is we have completely different definitions of what meaning it has for us and what meaning it has for the other person. Mm -hmm. And we wonder why we feel disconnected. And I think when it comes to labels, diagnoses, defining ourselves, etc., there's this really key shift, I think, in language that we can make, which is rather than using those things as vehicles to figure life out or to figure it out, we can use those things as vehicles to understand. And so when they don't deepen our understanding of our worlds and ourselves, we can decide that's not the label we're going to be so stuck to. So as you were saying earlier, embracing that flexibility, being able to try something on, because I do think there's a lot of power in a label. It can help us a lot to have a shared understanding, to help start a conversation, to help us access resources. Diagnoses are a huge part of this, right? Some people chase a diagnosis not because they're looking to be labeled, but because in our perfectly fit boxed world, it's the only way to actually access what you need to in order to be 
successful in the world to thrive because unless you have that label we don't know what to do with you we're trained to be this way right to be understood right it's just to be heard Mm -hmm. and to be understood for so so many people Mm -hmm. and what comes up for me too is my journey in being labeled ADHD so early on and there's so many pros and cons to diagnosis but I it's I find that the labeling of children more than anything though it really creates a, a narrative for us for most of our life mm-hmm. I was the loud mm-hmm. impulsive ADHDer and it wasn't mm-hmm. oh we really value your voice it was can you just filter that can you slow down for us to mm-hmm. hear this yeah. rather than what is this for you it's more about mm-hmm. how you're perceived than what you're really trying to convey and put out into the world if you read a lot of the positive parenting literature that's out there they talk about the dangers of the language we use, the judgmental language we use as parents, because we're in a place of power. When a teacher says to a child that they're too loud, or they're too rambunctious, or they're wrong, or they're bad, or even the flip side, you can do anything you set your mind to. That is is powerful, and it gets stuck. And the kid doesn't have the wherewithal to know that they don't want to get stuck in these terms terminologies that they get to define themselves, just not right now. Yeah. 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 And I love when you were talking about your ADHD diagnosis, Kate, you said I was the loud, impulsive ADHDer. And mom, you just touched on this as well, that loud and impulsive are also labels, right? We label Mm -hmm. in so many different ways. It's not just in Mm -hmm. the world of diagnosis or in the world of the alphabet game after our names. And I remember when I was around like five or six, my dad would write a Christmas Christmas letter every year. And he called me stubborn in this Christmas letter to everybody. Mm. And I went downstairs to his office. I can like vividly remember stomping my way down to the basement to his office first to figure out what stubborn meant. (laughs) And then once I was told what stubborn meant, I was livid. I was so mad that he had sent out this letter to all of our friends and family saying I was stubborn. And I remember standing there screaming till I was red in the face. I am. I'm not stubborn, which of course made him crack up for reasons we all know now. Oh, over and over. I'm not stubborn. I'm not stubborn. And all jokes aside, the pushback I felt from within was that this word didn't represent what I loved because the definition I was told about this word was that it was about being really in a fixed mindset and really closed minded and really stuck in your ways. And it's also a very gendered word. Women get called stubborn quite a bit. And I didn't feel that I was being what that word brought with it. Sure, I had tenacity, determination, and I definitely could be very in my own perspective at the time. I was like six, but I didn't love the baggage that came with that word. But when you're young, you don't realize you have the option to say, hey, I see some of what you're saying here, but could we put it this way instead? But I just, I remember how mad I was. I think we don't feel like we have the option. And then also what are we working towards 
in our adult life. We finally feel like we have the agency and then it's, okay, well, I'm going to go put this label on myself because that means something different than what other people perceive me as. So I remember even within my family system, my academic life didn't always fit my intelligence level. I just never really prioritized it. I prioritized something greater than just A's on a test. And I remember when I finally Mm -hmm. went to get my master's degree, one of my grandmothers was like, I am just so proud of her. And it really took me aback because it's like, why? Why? For me, it was so much more. It was able to get this education to be able to help people. It wasn't to prove anything of who I am. But looking back, I'm like, maybe there was maybe a little bit more involved there. It was getting the LICSW to be able to just rewrite the narrative of who Kate is in the academic sphere and that she can do it. So I really do feel mm-hmm. the labels and the ways that we talk about children, that we talk about their personalities and who they are and what they bring to the world is so important. And then how are we modeling that as adults? How are we talking to other adults? What are we talking about to other adults? All of the conversation that that we engage in, I think, is also a picture of what our values are and what do we value in society. And this thing about being self-aware, because I think that there's not a light switch that goes on when we turn 18 and we're quote unquote adults, right? That says, oh my gosh, I know fully well all the labels that I've allowed to be put on me. I wasn't really aware of how I had put myself in a box or allowed someone to label me. I accepted it. Until I was in my 40s and I went, wait a minute, that label doesn't serve me. And oh, I like that one. I want actually more of that one. Like you were saying, I was identifying my values and my strengths and the things that I wanted to be known for, which isn't the doing. So there is an onus of responsibility or accountability that we all have to assume is that unlike when we're children, when we are adults and we have the brain configured of fully developed brains, then we need to really make it an ongoing conversation with ourselves and others about what we're becoming aware of. And I might not like this scarf next year or tomorrow. I don't know. But to get to the why, to get with the who do I want to be, right? And and move that conversation forward and why. Yeah. I love the comment about the scarf. I know it's such a small thing, but it reminds me of the, about this conversation that I had with, I think it was a friend of mine. It might've even been with you, mom, while you were here visiting and I was cleaning out my closet. Mm. And I realized that why it was so hard to get rid of clothes was because it felt like I was sacrificing a part of myself because I'll have phases where all I wear is jeans, then all I wear are dresses, and then all I wear is this and that. And so it felt like by getting rid of my jeans that I hadn't worn in two years that I was telling myself I couldn't be that person anymore. And someone was like, if you get rid of your jeans, you're leaving a vacancy in place for being a different person in the future. You're leaving a little bit of space. And this is how I think about a lot of this stuff with flexibility of thinking or with what will I like this scarf, right? Whether it's physical or in our two ears is leaving a little bit of space. If we tag on so many labels that the sign outside our hypothetical shop is so full, no one can read it, not even yourself, then Mm -hmm. you're drowning yourself in it. There's no space for you to be flexible, for you to invite in that change. So of course, you're not going to have curiosity because the idea of bringing anything else on board is going to feel overwhelming. Whereas if we just focus on leaving that little bit of space available, 
we'll always have a little part of our mind that is still open toward what could be. And that is what brings in our perspective shift toward opportunity and possibility. And instead of being like, I've got too much, it's there's always a little bit of space here inside of me. I love that so much. And it's reminding me of like the liberal arts education. It, it's, mm. I don't know why that's coming up, but around colleges and like just this desire to always figure out your major immediately. And I, I remember so much with the clients that I serve and work with, I'm always talking to them about, you're not supposed to know. How are you supposed to know what major to decide when you're 18 moving into college? Sign mm. up for liberal arts. What is liberal arts opening up to you? And so it's opening up that desire to grow, learn more, learn it all in order to just leave room for what is to come. It's not here yet and it's not supposed yeah to be here yet, right? You're not supposed to have that understanding yet. That's why you're learning. That's why you're growing. Mm -hmm. So I, it's almost how do we open up a liberal arts mindset to the world and into the universe and into life in mm. general? I think that gets scary, right? <laughs> I think we bump into fear because we, first of all, we have the outside chatter, right? That's telling us very loudly that if we don't have it all figured out, then we're going to be homeless, foodless, you, we're going to miss opportunities. Our life is, might be over as we know it. And so it is getting in touch with our inner wisdom. I think at all ages, and I think, Kate, you can maybe speak to this um, a little more. I think at all ages, we have inner wisdom, inner knowing. We are born with it. We are born with it and we're born with how to communicate it just as early as really coming out of the womb and screaming when we're hungry. And I think we learn over time that our emotions are something to hide and not something to show when in fact our emotions, our desires are in fact communicating to us more than anything. And so I always talk about that. Emotions are clear for the most part. They're visible. We're crying. We're retreating. We are emotions and actions are communicating something to us. So if anything, listen to those, listen to what they are communicating because when we're sad, it's showing you something. It's not just I'm sad. There's typically more there to unfold. What is my soul communicating to me when I'm sad? Why am I sad? Why am I feeling this way? It's not something to hide or be ashamed of. When I'm angry, that's a force. What's the anger communicating? What does your soul want you to be moving towards in that anger? So it's really using the inner wisdom as a compass to unfold your life. I think yeah. we're always feeling external pressure to do things. And for humans, that that's also, I, I talk a lot about that safety is important. We're spiritual beings living in a human body, but survival and safety are a real thing. And of course, we're going to be thinking of how are we getting food? How are we getting water? Are we getting shelter? Of course. And we never want to say don't do that. But I feel it's about holding both. It's not just solely listening to the human body. It's also listening in and mm. having that balance as a human is so important. I really appreciate that you landed in balance of the two because one of the also challenging narrative that comes around is that everything has to be internal. I was just having this discussion the other day where someone I was speaking to is really externally motivated. And she kept trying to punish herself for that because she should be internally motivated because we should always be able to just go internal. And I was like, no way. 
If you're externally motivated, (laughs) go set up external systems for yourself. Keep the ball rolling. Use your internal wisdom and your internal knowledge of yourself to create an external world that's going to help you thrive. Going internal doesn't mean that everything has to happen inside of you and you can't be reliant on your external world at all. And this is what you're getting at, Kate. Of course, we still need food and of course, we still need shelter. And of course, our external worlds are still a huge part of our ability to just walk around on this earth and not die. But this tension between external and internal doesn't have to be there. We can hold it in balance. We can hold an open palm with both and use our capacity for curiosity and creativity and resourcefulness to look at our external world and reflect on what that means for us internally and then look at our internal world and try and design that for ourselves in our external environments. Absolutely. It's about the power of the and, right? We're just going to allow both entities, external and internal, to be part of the conversation. Do we have a mutual understanding, internal and external? Mm. That's usually when whatever the action is or whatever the next step is or the label that we choose to put on is the most powerful because we have mutual compatibility between the internal and the external. We don't have to be at odds. Mm. A lot of the work that I do with my current clients is really looking at all spheres of who we are and checking in with all of that. And one of the most important as a human is our body, right? And I feel like our body is such a perfect barometer for how we're feeling. So if we're in pain Mm. or if, of course, course, if we're hungry, if we're not eating the foods that that are really nourishing us, what is that communicating to us? Because that is a direct connection to our external, right? Our body is a terrific barometer to how are we being human? What is our body communicating here in the physical world? So I'm just saying that for all listeners, if you're curious about how am I meeting the external and the internal, simply ask your body. And I know that sounds a little, little challenging. What do you mean? how, but really what is my body communicating? It would maybe be a first step towards understanding what it's telling you. I think body wisdom is is so important and it is a great connection. So if I'm feeling flip-flops going on in my stomach, it could be a a whole bunch of reasons. Maybe it's, I'm just about to record a podcast and sometimes I get flip-floppy in my tummy. Or it could be that I am hungry. So allowing there to be many possibilities and not just once again, making it a one shot and deal that if I feel butterflies or flip floppy in my stomach, it must be I'm hungry. We need to allow ourselves to expand our language maybe around it or understanding around certain things. Mm -hmm. I think what's really challenging about this practice of inner knowing is that the early stages of it can often feel like pulling yourself apart. So it can feel like my body is not me and my brain is a machine and my authentic self exists in this random Mm. other port. And I'm trying to learn about these things individually and my emotions are there. And I feel like I have all these puzzle pieces and I don't really know how to bring the full picture together because I barely understand each individual piece, right? I think in the beginning of these stages of getting to know ourselves, there's so many different moving parts to access our inner wisdom. And 
so it's this pulling ourselves apart and then finding how that fits back together in a way that sits well with us and that feels whole, right? Or as what Martha Beck would put it, is a way of integrity, right? That intactness that comes from pulling ourselves back together. And I think one of the very first ways to wrap my head around this was when I learned about the different types of wisdom, that we have emotional wisdom, that we have spiritual wisdom, that we have intellectual or mental wisdom, that we have physical wisdom, but that there's many types of wisdom and that the way that we can enter into this world of showing up authentically or in integrity in our intact version of self is to take time exploring all of these things. And some things are going to be easier than others. Like, I can really get all up in my mental business, but I find body wisdom hard as all get out. And I still do, even though I know how powerful it is. But when we slow down, we give ourselves the avenue to really embrace some of these other types of wisdom. And I think that's where a lot of this comes into play is when we give ourselves the time, patience, and practice of exploring our many wisdoms. I love that, Madeline. And also exploring those wisdoms before we feel we need to try and anything else. I, I feel like we're consuming culture, right? We're constantly consuming things. And so if that feels overwhelming, simply just listening, like you don't need to know all of the things in order to just listen. And if listening's challenging, set another intention to just slow down. And I think it's coming back to also trying on the hats. There's never, there might not always feel like a perfect fit, but it's the process of trying on and recognizing how does it feel when I try this on? Eh, that doesn't really feel so right. It's that inner compass. It's that ability to really understand the ick. What is the ick communicating? It really can be as simple as mm-hmm. that. That doesn't feel so right. I don't know. I don't have to know why. I don't have to know why. Mm-hmm. It's just responding to that. It's responding to the feeling. Yeah. And I also love really paying attention to the joy, to the excitement, because sometimes that's our quote unquote destination. I want to be in the joy or the excitement or the happiness, right? All the time. That's not life. And so we're so focused on how to get out of the sadness or the discomfort or the fear that we don't get the wisdom that is prevalent in the joy, in the joyful moments. So they have something to tell as well. Why do I feel so excited about this? And why do I feel so energized with this in this particular moment? What's my understanding around that? Oh, I just want to say how much I love that we have landed on wisdom because it's really funny. It circles back to this beginning conversation we had is the alphabet game, the LMHC, the CPCC, the LI, what is it? LISCW. CSW. Yes. This is what I mean. It's an alphabet game. The alphabet game is all around. I'm wise, right? I'm wise. I know things. I'm wise. We have such an emphasis Mm -hmm. on wisdom. We believe so strongly in wisdom. We value wisdom socially and as individuals. But there is a difference between wisdom in a way of knowing to answer and wisdom in a way of knowing to ask. And I think that is what is really 
a practice we have to do as adults because kids have it naturally, the wisdom to ask, Mm -hmm. the knowing, I don't know the answer here. I'm going to feel happy asking because the people around me want me to be safe and happy and healthy. And so I'm going to ask mom why until that's no longer the case. (laughs) No, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we don't, we stop doing that. We shift toward Mm -hmm. wisdom is all about the knowing to answer. And I just think that if we could emphasize in our lives, in our days, a little bit more, how does this help my knowing to facilitate my asking? We would be so much more joyful. We would be so much less stressed. We would be so much more at ease in the fact that the skill of asking powerful questions is one of the greatest skills in life. And and not needing to know anything, not needing to answer, Mm -hmm. right? Not having to have every solution at hand all the time. The best you can do is lead from yourself, right? Lead the most, what I call soul-centered life that you possibly can. And so as long as it's coming back to, I'm listening to what I need, I am listening to what is best for me in this very moment. And that's the biggest wisdom Mm -hmm. is just knowing that you have it all. You have what you need really and truly. And you might not always know everything and that's also okay. And that's good. And that leaves us away from fear. If I have the belief that I have all that I need in this moment, then I can allow myself to have the knowing to ask. Mm. This is a beautiful marshmallow landing. And I would love to hear what wonderful words you found for us, mom, to close our episode. So I found a quote from Heath Buckmaster. Often it's not about becoming a new person, but becoming the person you were meant to be and already are, but don't know how to be. Mm, I love that. But hopefully right now our Nomi listeners do know a little more because we hopefully gave some insight on how to tap into your inner wisdom. Exactly, exactly that. And Kate, if people want to get in touch with you or work with you, how can they do that? Yes. So you can find me at my website, www.katestakeum.com. I'm also on Instagram and all socials at Kate Stakeham and always available for questions via email, kate at katestakeham.com. Fantastic. We'll also put that in the show notes. And in case this has made you curious and you want to connect better with your knowing to ask, we're really excited to announce that we are launching the Nomi Club on November 1st because we feel that curiosity is making a comeback and we want to be part of that process. So what is the Nomi Club? We have a series of workshops where you can learn about these things, learn with wonderful leaders like Kate and like some of our other Nomi people. And you can also go to our more casual meetups. So we have a writing club, a writing circle, a mindful tarot circle. So using tarot as reflection. We have a toolkit club, which is all around using these coaching and therapy tools applicable to our lives, actually in our lives. We have book clubs and all sorts of really fun activities in community with others, as well as casual roundtables, which are more like group coaching, group therapy kind of vibes. So we are so excited to be kicking off because we do believe that connecting to ourselves and connecting to others are two things that are wildly missing in the world. And if you are ready to connect with your curiosity, we are so excited to welcome you with open arms into the Nomi club. So you can find that at nomi.club. And I'm really excited. I'm excited to get it all started. Yes. So thank you so much for sticking around, lovely listeners. And we will see you in two weeks time. Until next time. Be well. 
That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope our conversation provides some insight and practical ways to navigate and understand you. If you have found our show to be helpful, please pass it along. Madeline and I are hoping you will join us in creating a ripple effect of mental health and well-being. As always, thanks for listening to the Nomi Podcast. This is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.